Our reading this morning is taken from Ecclesiastes. It's in two parts. The first part is Ecclesiastes 1, verse 1 to 11. That's on page 668. And you might want to put a marker in page 677, which is chapter 12. We'll be reading verses 12, verses 8 to 14. So Ecclesiastes chapter 1, page 668. The words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What does man gain from all his labor at which he toils under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place the streams come from, there they return again. All things are wearisome, More than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear its fill of hearing. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, Look, this is something new. It was here already long ago. It was here before our time. There is no remembrance of men of old, and even those who are yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Everything is meaningless. Not only was the teacher wise, but he also imparted knowledge to the people. He pondered and searched out and set in order many proverbs. The teacher searched to find just the right words, And what he wrote was upright and true. The words of the wise are like goads. They're collected sayings like firmly embedded nails given by one shepherd. Be warned, my son, of anything in addition to them. Of making many books there is no end, and much study wearies the body. Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. Amen. So the second reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, starting in verse 6, going through to verse 10. It's page 1145, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden 
and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. Well, good morning. Uh, let me add my welcome. Uh, my name's Matt Fuller. If we've not met, lovely to have you with us as we discuss how meaningless it is you've come. Let me uh, lead us in prayer as we begin. Our Father, we thank you that you are a God who uh, speaks and you've revealed what is true uh, supremely in your Son. And as we've just read, you keep on revealing truth to us uh, from your word uh, by your spirit. Would you do so now uh, as those who trust in you or those who are searching? Would you reveal truth to us so that we understand your word and live rightly in your world? Amen. So brilliant. Ecclesiastes is brilliant, isn't it? You've had a, sort of, it's a bit of a nice weekend. The sun has shone. Uh, that's been nice. And actually life may be going well. You may have new family, good news in your family, good news in your work, good news uh, elsewhere, and uh, you think, oh, you know, life is quite good, and you come, meaningless. It's all meaningless, all of it. And you think, oh, good grief, life can be pretty harsh as it is. Actually, church, sort of, be nice if you lifted me up a little bit, not just meaningless, meaningless. Um, Oh dear, that's Ecclesiastes. I don't think it's many people's favorite book, although some people really love it. Some people think, oh, it's the best book in the Bible. I think they're the minority. Not many people have it uh, right up there as, as the, the favorite thing. Oh, what shall I read to really encourage me? Ecclesiastes, here we go. I'll just open that and that'll do the trick. Because it seems a little depressing. If you read Ecclesiastes, it is somewhat relentless in how, harsh it push, how hard it pushes this language of meaninglessness. And it is a book which says, life in this world is confusing. Life in this world actually doesn't always run to plan. It can be brutal. It can be disappointing. Sometimes you can think, what's the point? And if you're feeling like that right now, well, Ecclesiastes is the book you'll really want to read. Uh, Because sometimes you read this book and think, no, this is true. This is true to life. Life is a little frustrating. If you've never felt that, if life is always good and has always run on smooth tracks for you, then Ecclesiastes will say to you, just wait. (laughs) Just wait. You are clearly young, or your life has never encountered anything of any difficulty at all. Uh, Just wait. Just wait. Because it doesn't always work like that. It is a book which is relentless in saying, have a look at the world. It is quite tough, isn't it, sometimes, when you think about it. It's a deeply unsettling book. And the dominant idea really uh, it comes up, it's, there, it's introduced in uh, chapter 1, verse 2, this idea of meaningless. So 38 times this is hammered away, meaningless. Now, now in truth, I don't think that's the best way of translating it. Um, 
uh, different translations or translated different ways. Famous, famously, the King James Version, vanity, vanity, all is vanity. Well, that kind of doesn't really work in our culture because we think, oh, we're all looking in the mirror, what are you talking about? Um, but still, you know, that's not a bad translation. Uh, other ways would be uh, mist or vapor or cloud. And uh, for myself, I quite like the translation vapor. Life is vapor. Because it has a sort of a, a two senses to it. That is, you can't quite grasp hold of it, and it doesn't last. You know, vapor, on a cold day, uh, you come out of your house and you breathe, and you can see your breath, but you can't grasp hold of it. You can't, sort of, oh, I'll collect, you can't pin it to the wall, and it doesn't last. You can't say, oh, I'll put that in my pocket and I'll get that out later and show someone. They'll be really intrigued by my breath. The, um, or fog. You can't collect fog. You think, oh, fog, that's interesting. You know, there's sometimes in July when I'd really like some fog. I'll just put some in my box now and in July I'll get it out. And there's some, you can't do it. It, it doesn't last. It, it's temporary. It's fleeting. And you can't quite grasp hold of it. That, I think, is the idea of this is a Hebrew word, hevel. It, it, you can't quite pin it down. Um, meaningless is okay, but then the book has lots of meaning in it. So it's slightly self-refuting if that's the case. Lots of times the book will say, this is better than that. Wisdom is better than folly. To be alive is better than to be dead, etc. So there is meaning in the book. So I, I'm not a big fan, really, perhaps, of meaning less as a translation, but fleeting, vapor. That sort of sense, uh, perhaps, is more accurate. Ephemeral. It doesn't last. Now, that's still not the most can-do positive message you'll ever hear. And it's led some to say, when they've read this book, the writer or the teacher, who's the dominant character in the book, the teacher, he's clearly not a believer. He's clearly just got it wrong. He's observing life in this world, but he doesn't really know God. Because if he did, he couldn't be this negative. And fortunately, whoa, thank goodness, at, right at the end of the, uh, of the book, at chapter 12, you get someone saying, okay, well done you, but here's the end of the matter, fear God. And you think, thank goodness, someone came along at the end and corrected him. Because otherwise it would have been really depressing. So it's a bit like uh, the school teacher marking the essay. You make some good observations, but fundamentally, you miss the point. Uh, and some say that's, that's Ecclesiastes. He fundamentally misses the point. Uh, um, I used to be a school teacher. My favorite ever report, let me just share this with you. My favorite ever report, when you, as a form tutor, you'd gather in the reports on your tutees, the best one ever I enjoyed. Trying to teach Ken is like trying to plant seed on a cliff of highly polished granite. I just thought that was sort of so poetic in its condemnation. It was, um, you know, I just sort of read it for ages. A cliff. Why a cliff? Why just not a, you know, but the, uh, but it's that, um, so some would say, here's, here's Ecclesiastes. Well done. You make some good observations on life, but you miss it, don't you? Because you don't recognize that there's a God. I don't think that's fair. Uh, uh, throughout the, the main part of the book, 13 times, the teacher says God gives all sorts of things. God gives wealth and honor and enjoyment and wisdom. God gives work. God gives the duration of our lives. God gives, God gives, God gives. So he does recognize that. And then throughout the book, there are some uh, positive moments. There's a positive refrain to take joy in what you can. 
It comes up first, uh, just, over, just across the page, you can see chapter 2, verse 24 in Ecclesiastes. A man can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in his work. This too, I see, is from the hand of God. So enjoy it. Enjoy it. For without him, uh, who can eat or find enjoyment? But if you know God, you can take pleasure in all the things that you do. And that comes up uh, repeatedly, chapter 3, 5, 8, 9, 11. So when you read this book, there are these two slightly contradictory voices, or so it seems. There's the relentless, meaninglessness, meaningless, meaningless. Your life is meaningless. Your life is fleeting. Your life is vapor. And it's gone. But then alongside that, there's, but God gives lots of good things. So serve him. Follow him and enjoy life. And these two voices run along side by side. Now, which is true, which is more accurate? Both. And actually, if you read this book, and uh, uh, it's the sort of book you have to read, really, rather than just listen to someone explain it to you, because it, you're really meant to feel it when you read Ecclesiastes. But how you feel when you read it will depend upon the mood you're in slightly. If you are feeling pretty low and negative, you think, well, that's right, that's what life is like. Actually, if you come to it in a positive frame of mind, you might think, oh, well, you know, but there's still lots of things to take pleasure in. Both are true. Life is both deeply frustrating, but there are joys and there is purpose. Both. And let's look at them both. Um, uh, so two little things we'll look at today. And this, this morning is kind of an introduction to, uh, to the themes that are going to come up before we look at the detail. But two things. And the first is everything is meaningless. That's the first big idea of the book. Everything is meaningless. And it comes up very clearly in uh, these first 11 verses. The words of the teacher, that's the dominant character, son of David, king of Jerusalem. I think that's a sort of poetic title given to him rather than literal. And these first uh, 11 verses, 1 to 11, they're the introduction. Before verse 12, he starts in the first person. Meaningless, meaningless, verse 2, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Oh, dear. I don't know if you've uh, uh, ever read or, um, or remember watching or saw the more recent film, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, Douglas Adams, um, now, he took this quite seriously. He thought quite a lot about this. And the book, in one sense, is, is a reflection on this aspect of life. Where is life? What's the point? Uh, if you remember it or recall, um, uh, near the beginning then, the most intelligent creatures in the universe, who happen to be mice, but anyway, the most intelligent creatures in the universe create an enormous supercomputer the size of a city. It's called Deep Thought. And uh, it's programmed to answer the question, the great question of life, the universe, and everything. And it takes seven and a half million years working on this question. And you remember, finally it churns out the answer, and the answer is 42. And so there's some disappointment at this, as you'd imagine. And so they think, right, we need to build a larger computer. So they build an enormous computer. It's it's the size of a planet, and they call it the Earth. Um, And the, the Earth is programmed to answer or to ask, what is the question? We've got this answer now. What is the question we ought to be asking? And the earth sort of chugs away, chugs away. And uh, Adams makes the point, uh, bizarrely, there are these humans who crawl about and don't even understand that the earth is a computer. So they, they don't know what they're doing. But anyway, the earth is just about to churn out the answer. It's just about to produce this big readout. And it's destroyed by a group of aliens called the Vogons who are building a new bypass uh, through the Milky Way. And... Uh, Well, so you never get to know, do you? 
says Adams. That's what life is like. Oh, we're so close to an answer. So what's the meaning? Oh, oh, it's meaningless. Uh, we're meant to feel this. So 38 times we're told that things are meaningless or vaporous. Everything, you know, it doesn't matter what you want to talk about. Everything, life, money, pleasure, youth, vigor, vitality, children, all these things are described as meaningless, meaninglessness. Okay, let's have a little look at a bit more detail of uh, this little section. So verse 3, what does man gain from all his labor at which he toils under the sun? Now this little word gain, it's literally profit. Oh, it's a business term. What does a man profit from his labor? And you know what your profits are. You do your work, uh, you take away your costs, and what you're left is your profit. Um, so that's what he's talking about. What does a man get at the end of his life, when he adds it all up, and he's lying in his box dead, what is his life profited? What's left over? What will remain of value? Verse 3, what does a man gain? What does a man profit from all his labor, which he toils or works under the sun, life in this world. What will you get? You'll die, get to the end of life, and what's left? Well, let's think about it. Verse 4. Generations come, generations go, but the earth, well, that remains forever. And he gives a few examples of that. There's the sun. The sun rises, the sun sets, and it hurries back to where it rises again. Uh, I like this literally at verse 5. It's pants back to where it rises. The picture is uh, of, of the sun as a sort of athlete. Oh, God, goodness me. Time to get up again. <gasps> Brilliant, made it. Oh, okay, time to set. Oh, here we go. <gasps> Round I go again. Round I go, says the sun. It's like a sort of a wheezy athlete panting. Goodness me, I'm... One of these days I'm going to be late and they're going to be waiting for me. I'm just not going to make it. But the sun just goes round and round. The sun rises, the sun sets. Just so the wind blows to the south, blows to the north, the east and the west. Round and round goes the wind. The streams, they just flow to the sea. The sea fills up. Well, it doesn't, does it? Because the water is drawn up. It rains on the mountains, enters the streams that flow to the sea. And the water goes up and then it rains and it flows Round and round and round. That's what life is. Round and round it goes. Oh. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen uh, Samuel Beckett's play, Breath. Again, Samuel Beckett, I don't know how you describe him, uh, existentialist, nihilist, um, who, who was captivated by these ideas. What is the point of life? I don't know if you've ever seen Breath. If you haven't, never go and see it at a theatre. Never. Certainly never pay to go and see it because it's only 35 seconds long, uh, and it has no actors. Um, so if you paid, you'd feel slightly miffed at 30 quid a seat for, uh, for that. But you, you can Google it if you want, and, uh, or watch it on YouTube. There are lots of different versions. It's only about 35 seconds, and all it is, there's a, 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 a stack of rubbish on a stage, very dimly lit, and then a child cries, and a man inhales, <gasps> and the lights go up and up and up, and then he exhales, <gasps> And the lights go down and down. And then the baby cries. And that's it. And you think, you must have been great company. (laughs) But Beckett is saying, that's life, isn't it? That's life. It begins, "Ah, there's some lights, there's some dark. It ends. And what's left? Well, it was rubbish, really, wasn't it? Oh, he's, he's hardly laugh a minute, is he? Um, but he's saying that's life. That's what life is like. 
It's relentless. So verse 8, all things are wearisome, more than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear, its fill of hearing. What has been will be done again. What has, sorry, what, has, what has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. That's true of our own lives. So it'll be Monday tomorrow and we'll get up and many of us will go to work and we'll come home and we'll eat and we'll sleep and we'll get up and we'll go to work and we'll come home and we'll eat and we'll sleep and we'll get up and, and round and round life goes. Round and round, on and on. The earth stays, but life just goes round and round. It's wearisome. There's no sense this sort of verse 8, never enough seeing, never enough hearing. There's, there's always more. There's always more you want. There's never a sense of arrival, of completion. Oh, wonderful, it's done. It's never, it's never quite there. No sense of closure in life. It just goes round and round and round. I read an interview, uh, this is a while ago, I read an interview with Madonna, and it was interesting, I mean, she's an interesting character. Uh, but she was very open, I, I thought, admirably open and honest. Uh, she made this comment. My drive in life comes from the fear of being mediocre. That's always pushing me. I push past one spell of it and discover myself as a special human being, but then I feel that I'm still mediocre and uninteresting. Unless I do something else. Because even though I've become somebody, I have to prove I'm somebody still. My struggle has never ended. I guess it never will. I keep having to reprove who I am. Oh gosh. How relentless. How relentless. That's life. Verse 9, there's the ceasing, sorry, the ceaseless making and unmaking of human history. There's nothing new under the sun. Ah, oh, of course there is. There's all sorts of technological progress. You know, the, you know look at the 20th century, lots of progress. Look at, look at the, the technology, how it's all shrunk down and down and down. In a sense, that's the point. You, know, so you buy a new TV, and then five years later, it's completely outdated, and actually you get another one. And then in 10 years' time, you get a, a, a new flatter screen thing, and then in 15 years' time, one with holograms. And then, you know, it, it's, so, it's just the new versions are the same thing. New entertainments, of course, new forms, but it's just, just the same, round and round. Uh, verse 10, uh, Alistair really brought this out. Is there anything of which someone can say, oh, look, I've got something new. <laughs> I've done it, I've got something new. This is all really exciting. Look, I've got something new. Verse 10, no, no, it was here already, long ago. You, you may have forgotten it, but it's always been here. You know, when you, uh, you watch the news, it's, the news is very dramatic, isn't it? It's always very dramatic. I don't know what... You watch 10 o'clock news or something like that, so uh, the music begins, boom, 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 boom. Oh, it's very important. And then someone looks at you with a very important face and says something in very important tone. Today in the news, something very important happened. And it's all very important, and you have to know. But, of course, if you go away for two weeks' holiday and you don't read a paper or the internet or, or, or watch any TV... You come back, it's, oh, what's happened while I've been away? Oh, nothing much. But, you know, there have been sort of 14 episodes maybe in the summer holiday. There have been 14 episodes of the news, and it's very dramatic. What's happened? Oh, I couldn't tell you, actually. Um, uh, not a lot. You know, oh, there's an election. That's wildly exciting. Yeah, well, kind of. They happen fairly regularly. Uh, politicians come, and, and they go, and that'll happen again and again. Oh, nothing that dramatic then? And the news, even the great dramas in our news, the catastrophes, the awful things, we move on past them. So you have the tsunami of 2004, I mean, extraordinary scenes. But then you have a hurricane 
Hurricane Katrina the next year, 2005, extraordinary scenes. And then, of course, you have the Haitian earthquake in, in, in 2010, extraordinary scenes that captivate us. Now, of course, if, you're, if your lives are directly affected, that's different. But, but for us in the watching world, it just comes and it goes. I mean, the great tragedies, the great dramas, they come and they go. And that's life, just on and on. On and on it goes. Verse 11, human history is repetitive. There's no remembrance of men of old. Even those who are yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow. It's just true, isn't it? Do you know the name of your great-grandfather? Your great-great-grandfather, do you know their names? They're your relatives. Every, every November we'll declare uh, on Remembrance Sunday, we will remember them. At the going down of the sun in the morning, we will remember them. Now, we will remember them. Can anyone name a Victoria Cross winner? Now, that's the highest military honour you, you can get in the UK, really. Anyone name one? Do we remember them? Very few of humankind are actually ever remembered. It's life. It's life, says the teacher, on and on. So this man, the teacher, he's not here to cheer us up, if you hadn't worked that out. Uh, he's not here to, uh, to put a smile on our faces straight away. Life is repetitive. It's confusing. It's brutal. It's disappointing at times. He says, yes, it is. There are people we can't handle. There are sufferings we can't fathom. There are problems we can't solve. There are longings we can never satisfy. That's life. And so one of the big points of Ecclesiastes is, if you know nothing more than this world, what is the point of your life? It's meant to bring us to the point where we slightly read it and just think, that's a, that's a logical response in one sense, just to shrug and say, well, for goodness sake, now what do I do? And so the, the, the teacher says to someone who is not a believer, who is an atheist or agnostic, what is the point? Can you, can you refute this? Can you say that your life has more than this? Can you argue? How, do you, how would you argue with this? When you die and you're laid in your box, what is left of your life? What profit will there be? Can you argue with that? And if you disagree, I've got to tell you, he's only just got started. <laughs> There's another 11 chapters of it yet. He's only just got started. The, uh, the American poet, uh, uh, playwright, Stephen Crane, writing you know, over 100 years ago, again reflecting on this, he, he wrote a poem, put it starkly. I saw a man pursuing the horizon. Round and round they sped. I was disturbed at this. I accosted the man. It's futile, I said. Y you realize that you can never... You lie, he said, and on he ran. It's very bleak, isn't it? But his point was, that's how people live. Now, I'm trying to say to the man, what are you doing? You're chasing the horizon in your life. You, you can never catch the horizon, by definition. What are you doing? I don't, I don't, there is meaning, he says. I, there is meaning, but how? How? Life is meaningless, says the teacher. But he doesn't just say that. <laughs> he doesn't just say that. Let's flick on to the end and uh, chapter 12. Because the second thing to say is that God will judge every deed. God will judge every deed. Let's just, um, just turn to the last verse. 
which uh, says it very clearly, uh, verse 14 of chapter 12. Uh, Let me read verse 13 as well, sorry. Verse 13. Now all has been heard. Here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. For, because, God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it's good or evil. And here's a reason for living. Here's a reason why your life matters. God will assess it. Everything, every hidden thing God cares about. And that's why life matters. Now, being assessed, it does count. Every, uh, every school child will know that. Uh, when I was a school teacher, um, you always knew, I mean, the, the children were wildly indiscreet. They, they always let you, they'd always talk about which teachers they liked and didn't like. And, of course, you meant to shut that down, which you did quite quickly, um, but not as quickly as you probably ought to have done, which is quite interesting. Uh, and the kids would say things like, oh, there's no point doing homework for Mr. Evans because he never marks it. Or he does mark it. We, I've seen Mr. Evans do the marking. He'll be talking to me going like this on the page. So I know it doesn't count. And, you know, children are not stupid. So they'd, they'd start testing Mr. Evans. This is a mythical figure, by the way. But they'd start testing Mr. Evans. They'd insert nonsense words into the middle of their work. You know, so, uh, floxy, milly, pilly, billy, willy, willy, you know, just make up words, snozcumbers, and just insert these sort of made-up words into, into that. And then, of course, they'd, okay, they'd get away with that, so they'd start putting rude words in. You know, they'd be writing an essay in the middle of it, say, Mr. Evans is an idiot, and uh, get, a, you know, get an A-plus for it and think, well, there you go. Um, and so they wouldn't bother. But if they're working for a teacher who cares and, and corrects their work and improves it, they'll work really hard for them. That matters. That's just normal in life. If we know what we're doing will be assessed, we care about it. If it isn't, it's hard to care in truth. And the book of Ecclesiastes says, your life matters because God sees all of it. He knows everything. So everything you do has a purpose because he'll assess it. He'll judge it. Every single deed he cares about. Now, if that is not true, if there is no God and there's no assessment, so what? What are we doing? What does it matter what we do? How can you say anything is good or something is bad? As I heard someone put it very vividly once, if the Titanic's going down and everyone will die, it doesn't matter if you're hugging or you're mugging. It just doesn't matter. If everyone's going to die, so what if you steal people's wallets? And uh, so what if you stick a knife in someone? So what? Or you go around tending the wounded? So what? You're all going down. What does it matter if you're a hugger or a mugger? If this life has no purpose, if there's no assessment, so what? So what if you're a mass murderer or a rapist? Or you give all your life to charitable work? So what? So what? But what we do does matter because there's a God. And so that throughout the book of Ecclesiastes, God is the source of everything that's positive. So the writer will say, yeah, you can enjoy life because there is a God and he knows. So uh, just a few little, uh, we'll come to these in time, um, but just a few little obvious references. Ecclesiastes 5. Uh, Moreover, when God gives any man wealth and possessions and enables him to enjoy them, to accept his loss and be happy in his work, that's a gift of God. Enjoy it. 
or chapter 8.15, So I commend the enjoyment of life, because nothing is better for a man under the sun than to eat and drink and be glad. Then joy will accompany him in his work all the days of the life God has given him under the sun. Or 11 verse 9, Be happy, young man, while you're young, and let your heart give you joy in the days of your, of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart, and whatever your eyes see, but know for all these things God will bring you to judgment. So enjoy life. Enjoy it. Know that God has given you lots of good things as a gift. But recognize he'll, he'll assess at the end of time. So, verse 13 of chapter 12, fear God. Keep his commandments. Live for him. That really matters. That makes all the difference in the world. So we had very briefly read uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 2. No need to turn to it. But whereas uh, at the beginning of Ecclesiastes, it'll say the eye never has enough of seeing, the ear never has enough of hearing. Paul here can say, oh, but let me tell you, you have no idea how good it is what God has in store for you. And you can know that with even more certainty because he sent his son into the world to be crucified. You can know that with certainty because Jesus Christ came. So fear God. Keep his commands. Do you see the two voices there are in this book? Life is meaningless. It just goes round and round and round. But there is a God who will assess everything you do. And therefore in knowing that, fear him. Enjoy him. So if you wanted, it seems to the message of Ecclesiastes is very simple. Life is frustrating and meaningless at times. But... There is a God, honour him, and enjoy life. Enjoy life, knowing that, those two. But, and here's the key, in one sense, the, uh, the genius of the book, or why it matters so much for us. Like if, if you wouldn't call yourself a believer, then you're stuck with chapter one, life is meaningless. Everything you do will disappear. Your life will have no profit to it. And he'll, he'll pursue that theme on and on, relentlessly throughout the book. But for those who are, who are believers, it's not that the knowledge of God trumps that. It's not that the second point, there is a God, trumps the fact that life is meaningless. Both are still true at times. So um, it's not as simple as if you know God, then life is straightforward. It's not saying that. So one example, Ecclesiastes seven fifteen. In this meaningless life of mine, I've seen both of these two things. A righteous man perishing in his righteousness, a wicked man living long in his wickedness. This is not a very simplistic, be good, life goes well. It is not that. It's far more complicated or more realistic than that. Now, of course, that'll be a popular message. Uh, you know, there'll be preachers who can pack out theatres, pack out stadiums um, with the message of, Uh, God wants your best life now. Uh, If you follow God, he'll build a platform for your life and it'll all be marvellous. Yeah, there'll be plenty. That's, if that is your faith and all your faith, and, and if you think that's the message of the Bible, you'll throw in the faith eventually. Because life is hard. Life does throw disappointment and discouragement and loneliness and suffering and sickness, those things come. And if you just expect that, God, that God's job is just to make all the crooked roads straight for you, you won't last. And certainly your faith won't last. But Ecclesiastes says, be righteous, 
serve God over oh, life is messy. Life is messy. You just you've got to recognize that. Oh, at the end of time, when God judges everything, you'll see the purposes, but now it's messy and frustrating. Uh, last week we had our neighbors over for dinner. And uh, Kerry, my wife, had spent quite a long time constructing this marvellous, uh, very impressive meal. And uh, there it was, all in the oven. Uh, and then just before the neighbours arrived, the oven blew up. I mean, really blew up. The, the glass door just shattered and went, all the glass shattered and went all over the kitchen. It was all slightly dramatic and it's a good job no one was in the room. Um, and you sort of wander in and go, oh. <laughs> well, a several hours worth of cooking. Well, that was a fat waste of time, wasn't it? That was, you know, how pointless was that? You know, I was constructing something. I was building something. Well, I wasn't. Constructing something, building something. How very impressive. And now, Lord, all that's left is a load of shattered glass and broken edges. And that's frustrating. And Ecclesiastes says, yeah, that's right. That's life. Life is like that. But keep trusting God. Fear him. Obey him. And at the end of time, well, your life will be judged and you'll be thrilled. And in the meantime, enjoy the good days. Give thanks to him when things go well. But don't expect that they always will. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for the honesty of your word. Uh, sometimes it's an honesty we'd, we'd rather not hear. We'd rather be promised smooth sailing and all things to go well. But we thank you that you love us too much to leave us with that sad delusion. Uh, thank you that there is great purpose in this life through knowing you. Thank you that every deed that we do does matter and it will be assessed. Uh, and Father, knowing you, being able to give thanks to you, would you inject our lives with a great pleasure? Would we enjoy the good days now and the bad days when they come? Recognize them as just that, just days. Frustrating, painful, but just days. And in the future we'll be with you and those days will be past. So Father, help us to trust you, even when life sometimes seems that it is meaningless. Amen.